Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. Today, we are actually joined by a fourth developer in Cincinnati, Ohio, the illustrious Gordon Hughes. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. I'm Alex Robinson. And I'm Gordon Hughes. Great. So, guys, uh, we're back after our little spring break. Took a little hiatus yeah, last we had, week. Had a bit of a law in the news, and uh, coming out of that, we've got some pretty big announcements. Yeah, I think they saved everything up for this week. Yeah. So we had the drop of Xcode six three and iOS eight three. And that was a happy day for a lot of Swift developers, I think. I'm sure compiler times have dropped immensely. There's yeah. a lot less sword fighting going around. We got a lot of goodies, a lot of fixes. Um, the The migration was a little bit painful. Not that any of the changes were dramatic, um, but uh, the compiler lit up like a Christmas tree with all the things that needed to change with casting and sets and things like that. And the, the illustrious ass-bang yep. operator? Probably had uh, about 100 of those that I had to update. They did have a converter, uh, which worked mostly. Got a little confused uh, after a while, but it helped. Now, you were tracking the betas, right? I wasn't keeping production projects up to date with them, but yeah, I was keeping a close eye on what was going on. Okay. Was there any significant changes between the last beta and the production drop? Not that I noticed. I don't I don't think there was a whole lot in the release notes uh, that was different. Um, I don't know. They, they possibly snuck something in there, but I didn't notice anything. And so how's 8.3 working for you guys? It's all right so far? I've been I've been noticing a couple issues here and there with some of my apps on my device. I noticed there is something in the release notes about calling a layout if needed before you query the the size of the frames of of any of your views and I I wonder if that's what's tripping some people up right now. That's always tricky, especially in the table view. I've been dealing with some of that lately. Usability wise I've noticed uh say on Tweetbot or Twitterific, when you're loading videos, sometimes they just don't load on 8.3. Hmm. So just from a usability perspective, and some web pages just won't load as well. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But we got the smaller space bar right now. So no, bigger space bar. Oh, yeah. That's Come right. on. <laughs> the other one. The other way. Yes. Yeah. The better way. So we can miss the periods when we want to miss them. Yeah, now yeah, period, but... my period, Google period, searches period, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so period do, period mine. So another big announcement today, actually, right? Yeah. WWDC 2015. Oh, they announced that? Huh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Have <laughs> you been in a closet or something? <laughs> no, I was, <laughs> heard that. I was um, unwell today. You were unwell? No, unwell. Oh. Unwell. <laughs> Either way, it's about a hole that you fall into and don't crawl out of for a while. Pretty much. I think I had, with all my developer accounts, I had half a dozen emails. 
Yeah. So the conference is, yes, June 8th through June 12th. And Argo, you read something about it being five full days of sessions. Yeah, I think Jake Barron's actually had a a tweet that said, plan accordingly, uh, there will be five full days of of sessions, including Friday afternoon. So it seems like they might have a lot of stuff to talk about this year. Yeah, in the past, it's wrapped up around 2 o'clock. Yeah, usually no sessions after lunch, just the the lunchtime presenter. In the morning, it seemed like on Friday for the most part. Yeah, the more popular uh, sessions get repeated near the end. So, well, they they stopped doing the repeats last year because they had the videos available. That makes quickly. sense. So last year it was just all all sessions, all new things, and then uh, the astronaut Leland, I can't remember his last name. He talked in the afternoon. It's really good talk though. I hope they do something like that again, and they don't. Just fill it wall to wall with sessions. Yeah. I think the lunchtime speakers are often some of the best content or experiences of the conference. The labs are also extremely valuable. So even though the sessions are online, there's there's a lot of value in being there. Definitely, but it is exhausting. Yep. So who's doing this year? <laughs> or who's who's putting their <laughs> name in the lottery, I should say. Well, I dropped my name in the hat. I think I'll probably put my name in. Argo? I think I'm going to pass this year because I'm going to have a three or four week of that time. So That's a good time to get out of the house. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not Just, for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, You might not be invited back in the door when you get right. home, but yeah. Gordon, how about you? Uh, unsure at this point, having just gotten back from Ull. Um, that was a very nice trip with a bit of a vacation as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be going to Dub Dub this year or not. I was there last year, got in with the lottery. Um, enjoyed it immensely, but uh, maybe see if uh, somebody else in the company can get, get a go at going this year. <laughs> yeah. So let's segue back here a little bit. Gordon, who are you? Um, Gordon Hughes. <laughs> so, yeah. Gordon Hughes. Yeah. Um, live here in Cincinnati. Um, worked with these three reprobates at one time or another in my not-so-distant past, but now uh, currently work for Black Pixel in Seattle and do okay. the whole remote thing. How do you like working remote? Sometimes it's challenging, definitely. Um, being in an office with people, you really connect with them. You're able to share ideas, bounce ideas off one another, um, just blow off steam, go for lunch, you know, the usual in-office stuff. The, the things that people sometimes get fed up with when they're in an office, the noise and all the rest of it. Um, so when you're working remotely in your own office, it can get, uh, it can get challenging. Um, luckily, though, we... We use Slack pretty extensively, so um, we're always able to bounce ideas off of one another that way. But there's nothing... <clears throat> I think I've got a, a new appreciation for actually being in an office with people. Mm. Um, 
when we worked together, some of the noise that we we had in that open plan office was just it got to me. But now I think I'd be quite happy with that. We did have a lot of noise. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> it's not gotten any better. I can definitely echo some of those uh, challenges uh, working in an office by yourself, Gordon, for sure. Um, it's yeah, it's it's always a it's an interesting experience, and it's it's good to get out and have lunch with people and and talk to people because uh, you don't get to as as much as you do in an office. Yep, I agree. So lunch next week, guys. Sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, I think. There are trade-offs. Sometimes you can be more productive working at home, and but there's definitely different motivations, and you have to keep pushing yourself to keep going and working. And there's there's nothing like being able to lean over to your teammate and get a second pair of eyes on something to get past a, a stumbling block or or pop keep yourself between his eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of works in the opposite direction. So creates or the office distractions as well but all in all working remote um for a company like black pixel uh, it's it's working out quite well um i get the freedom to work wherever i am so i was able to go back to to scotland and a, a couple of christmases ago and stayed there for about six weeks and just worked from home and it was awesome being able to spend more than just a few days with my parents and my family mm. so you know, you, you can't fault that benefit at all. That's there's um, nothing to replace being able to go home, especially when you work, um, live and work abroad. When I only get to see my parents and my family a couple of times a year, if that, then uh, working in this, doing this kind of work, being afforded the opportunity to just go wherever you want and still be able to work as long as you've got an internet connection, it's it's kind of living the dream, really. Definitely. Well, speaking yes. of of the of the UK, uh, you just went over there for for Ool. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. Um, so Ool is a conference that's put on by a good friend of mine, Dermot Daly, and his partner in crime, Sasha Wilson, and they both work at or um, manage Tapadu. Um, a development company in uh, Dublin, in Ireland, and uh, with another guy by the name of Paul Campbell, who runs Tito, kind of um, ticketing uh, web service. Um, so the conference has been going on for four years now. Um, at the beginning, it was mostly aimed at uh, developers and designers and kind of viewed through as Dermot would put it, an apple-shaped lens. Um, but it's kind of evolved since then um, to be less specific about Apple, although the, the overwhelming majority of attendees work or play in the Apple ecosystem. And it's more now about building great products. So what They're is not the... doing Windows Phone sessions, are they? Uh, maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. So what does oh, the no. name mean? The name uh, Ul, so it's it's spelled U L L, but it's there's an accent on the U, and if you go to this year's website, two thousand and fifteen two o one five dot U L L dot I E, no accent, 
you'll see the logo has got the little pip above the, the U, which kind of looks eerily like the Apple pip above the <laughs> above the Apple logo itself. And coincidentally enough, Ul means Apple in Irish Gaelic. Hmm. The more you know. That's cool. Yeah. So there's lots of cool little uh, um, Irish... Uh, things added to the conference, such as they had a a new ticket type this year. It was called the Agran ticket, and um, people were wondering, well, what what the heck does this this word Agran mean? And it actually means edition. So this this <laughs> <clears throat> yeah this ticket was like a, a limited edition ticket, which gave you access to all the speakers' dinners, the post conference dinner. Uh, and some special um, supporter. It wasn't uh, gold, was it? No, it wasn't. Gold. <clears throat> no, God. Uh, um, the addition ticket. The badges oh. this year were a, a very, very lovely kind of orangey, goldy, yellowy, goldy colour, so there may have been a link there. I don't know. Not rose gold. Okay. That's the but, expensive one. So there's there are nice touches added throughout the conference the menus uh, the wi-fi um the the, the is it a is it a conference that has good wi-fi uh, actually yes man it, it was surprisingly decent um the the conference i suppose it depends on the venue as always as ever yeah um so where is the venue this well the past, the first two years, they were held in Dublin itself, Dublin City, um, and then la- uh, last year they moved it to a huge Victorian estate in uh, Kilkenny, in Ireland, called the Lyrath Estate. Huge Victorian place, so absolutely gorgeous looking. Never actually got to go, but the photographs looked amazing. And then this year, it was moved to the Europe Hotel and Spa in Kilke- uh, Killarney, in Southwest Ireland. Um, so it's right on the edge of Loch Leanne. Leanne, I think I'm pronouncing that right, or Loch Lean, uh in Killarney National Park. So not too uh, dissimilar to parts of Scotland that I love very much. So I felt right at home there. It was absolutely gorgeous. The, the setting was just absolutely spectacular. I posted some photographs on my Twitter account during the during the conference. Um, uh, Irish are very hospitable people Oh god are they ever, yes <laughs> <laughs> And they know yeah. how to pour a drink Definitely Yes, lots and of Guinness, Guinness over there is a lot better than over here There's no comparison Yeah, it's, it's absolutely very no different Yes it is, it's an awful lot smoother It's not chilled um, I was in a, uh, a pub here uh, Earlier in the week And saw the barmaid pulling a pint of Guinness And she just pulled it and it was just this dark frothy mess in the glass and I'm sitting there shaking my head thinking what are you doing why are you killing this beautiful drink I mean, she had no idea how to pour this drink unfortunately but in in Ireland yeah they know how to pour a Guinness and mm-hmm. yeah it's a very different experience but yeah definitely they're much more hospitable over there the Irish are very hospitable yeah they really do go out of their way to make you comfortable and Attend to, uh, attend to your needs. Um, very, very friendly. 
uh, stayed on for a few days after the conference and did some travelling and touring, travelling around and visiting different places and universally, yeah, just, yeah, great country to visit. Very yeah. warm people, very friendly. Lots of laughter, lots of music, lots of Guinness. <laughs> you can't go wrong. So the conference itself, it was two days long? The conference was the conference actually ran Monday and Tuesday, but there was a speaker's dinner on the Wednesday, which you can actually uh, upgrade your ticket to um, to attend the speaker's dinner. Um, and that was that was another special dinner that was held off in another hotel somewhere nearby, which, by all accounts, was an, a sumptuous meal. Um, <laughs> it was only meant to they were only meant to be there for about three hours or so, but they ended up. I don't know, five, six hours later, they all wandered back to the, the conference hotel. Nice. So did, you did not have an upgraded ticket? A ticket? Uh, not for that one, no. Um, we were driving down from Dublin, which is about a four, four and a half hour drive from Dublin down to Killarney. Um, so we decided we would just take it easy for the drive down and uh, be ready for the conference starting on Monday morning. So it ran Monday and Tuesday, and then there was a kind of wind-down thing on Wednesday. So the um, the actual sessions and the special features, they ran Monday. The sessions ran Monday. Um, some sessions ran Tuesday morning, and then there was special features on Tuesday afternoon. And then the wind-down, and then there was a banquet afterwards. Sounds like quite a conference, a lot more low-key than, say, Dub Dub is. A fire hose like Dub Dub is. Yeah. Um, the the you, focus you go- of this conference was, you know, it's not your typical tech conference with code on the screen. It's, it, no. At least this year, it seemed like the emphasis was less technical and more on running a business in the Apple ecosystem. Well, the focus for this year's conference was on uh, great products great businesses making great products um, and with a they always have a particular emphasis on the attendee experience so uh, not not a technical conference like say CocoCon for WWDC or 360 iDev um, the, the speakers were as on the website they say that the speakers were handpicked to get the conversation started and that's exactly what the sessions were about. They were conversation starters. Okay. Yeah, a lot of times I find that some of the best parts of the conference are the hallway conversations that take place after a session. So that sounds like you guys had some really good material. That's the entirety of all. Um, the the sessions are the the kind of starting piece to the conversation, and then everything spills out afterwards. The um, and they weren't like wall-to-wall sessions like Dub Dub, you know, where you you go into a session and then everybody bails fifteen minutes before the end so they can get in line for the next session. It's not at all like that. There was uh, plenty of breaks built in so that people could relax, kind of absorb what was just presented, talk to the people at the table that they're with, circulate round to other tables, you know, catch up on conversations there, meet friends, you know. Um, very laid back atmosphere. The, so I think is the it a single track or multiple track? 
It is a purely a single track conference. Okay. Um, How many attendees are there? I think this year there's probably something in the order of um, maybe 200, 300 thereabouts. And one of the big things this year was, um, well, actually last year was when they started it, but this year they really improved on it, was the inclusion of families. Um, they had a significant other ticket, so that meant you could take um, your your partner, your significant other with you to the conference for a reduced rate uh, and they could get to experience the, the whole conference with you. They weren't excluded from the sessions or from the special features. Um, they weren't excluded from the meals. They reduced rate and you get in to see the whole show, which I think is just outstanding because so many people... Uh, when they go to a conference, they usually end up leaving a significant other or partner behind. Um, right. Either uh, in a hotel room or at home. Or at yep. home, yeah, exactly. And often these conferences are in exotic locations, you know, relative to, say, the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, huge kudos to Paul, Dermot, and Sasha for. Um, bringing the conference itself up to, up, you know, bringing it to a more inclusive level where actual families were encouraged to attend. Not just a developer or a designer, whoever it may be in the family, but the, the whole family could come along and enjoy it. Um, and they added a, a children's track this year. Hmm. So uh, kids could, they, um, they could actually enjoy... Um, workshops that were put on. There was a, an arts and crafts workshop. There was a, um, an electronics workshop, and I think there was a Lego workshop. And I was <clears throat> I was actually really excited about the Lego workshop until I found out they had a, a height limit of five foot. I think it was. <laughs> so you had to be five foot or under to get into this thing. So I was disappointed I couldn't go to it. But yeah, they they really cater to children as well. And interestingly, um, a couple of my friends from Ireland who brought their families, um, their children were actually attending most of the sessions as well, um, which I thought, which I thought was really unusual, but was really, it was it was a good thing to see that um, these younger kids. Um, I think uh, my friend Alan has he had three kids with him, ranged from maybe ten to. 15, 16 and all three of his kids attended the sessions and really enjoyed it and got something out of it so I need to change my perspective on that perhaps that these kind of conferences aren't just for uh, as developers and designers or product managers or whatever that um, you know, kids that are exposed to uh, our community, our ecosystem are actually getting some, something out of the the conference and enjoying it so yeah that was really good it is pretty cool and my 11 year old son would really get a lot out of a conference like that but have you ever been US... to Codemash Alex they have a, a kids thing going on they call it kids mash during the whole thing you may want to check that out that's good to know yeah yeah they have a lot of the same sounding activities with the, the Legos and the electronics and 
whatnot. Okay. Yeah. So, Gordon, you took your significant other with you to the conference? Yes, I did. And she she absolutely loved it. Okay. But she had met um, some people out at uh, WWDC um, last year. So she already knew some of the Irish crowd, so it was good to see them again. Or mm-hmm. good for Mary Lee to, to meet everybody again. So she's already part of the family. <laughs> they got the seal of approval. Oh, yes, absolutely. So how did she enjoy the sessions? Um, Were they relevant enough for her? Oh, yeah. Um, the thing about the sessions is they're, because they're not technical, they're, they, they're more about the topics that are of interest to the community so she's a designer so you know she's going to get a lot out of it as well but there were um there were sessions a couple of sessions that were on being um, more inclusive um putting forward more um kind of a more equal uh, equality based perspective on things so addressing things like sexism and uh, gender inequality and those those uh, topics struck a chord with her, obviously, because she's been a subject of, you know, just being dismissed because she's, in quotes, just a girl kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so um, the the presentation of the talk given by Jesse Char, which directly addressed that, um, was of particular um, significance to Merely, definitely. Uh, and do you look over and see her nodding her head a lot? And <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know there was more conversations afterwards, again because these presentations or the talks are just conversation starters, or not just conversation starters, but they they do start a lot of meaningful conversation. Uh, and she got involved in those conversations, and yeah, it was really good to see her getting involved. So. Not just as a significant a uh, significant other, but as a, a full blown attendee of the conference, she had she had her opinion and uh, found that there was very uh, a welcome attendees listening and uh, giving their feedback. So, yeah, great conversations. Was there Sounds anything like, else that really stood out to you as an, another good session or, or topic that <clears throat> really? Still hits home today. Baz Scott, uh, another Scottish developer, but he's based in Belfast. Um, he talked about um, uh, equality in the workplace, um, but from uh, a person with a disabilities perspective, hmm. and how most of us who are able-bodied just don't consider. Um, how difficult it can be to work in a, uh, a certain environment. Um, so is he speaking as somebody with a disability? Yes, he does. I can't remember the name of the the, the particular disability that he has, um, but uh, what when does he, it when he was, his ability to do? It's a, a motor and muscle disability. Okay, um, like a cerebral palsy. Um, possibly, I, I, I'd be doing Baz a disservice if I tried to recount what it was in particular he had. So, uh, yeah, some 
uh, physical motor disability. Hmm. So does he use? Uh, is he an I, he's an iOS developer? Yes, he is. Okay. But it, does... it wasn't just about his physical disability; he was uh, addressing other forms of disability as well. So, um, mental health. He addressed some of the the concerns with mental health and how um, companies and employers can do more to help uh, their employees um, to build better support structures within the organisation to uh, offer dignity and respect when talking to their employees, their employees with disabilities, whatever that disability may be, whether it's physical or mental. Um, mm. I'm curious, did he throw out anything that we think of as normal that is disrespectful? Um, yeah, obviously the language that we use in the workplace, um, one-off comments or off-the-cuff comments that we might, that the able-bodied people might not think about. And I'm not going to recount any examples. I'm sure we can all think of some, but um, just remarks that we carelessly throw out there that can uh, create an adversarial uh, environment for people with disabilities. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it was good to be reminded of of those kind of aspects of our community, where you know the the CIS mail, the um, we we get everything handed to us. But there are so many people that work in our industry that uh, just don't have it as easy, in quotes again, as we do and how we take everything for granted. Yeah. So does his employer help with his needs for like physical devices? Uh, Actually, um, I think Barry's disabilities he's overcome most of them um physically rehab physical rehabilitation that kind of thing he's he you wouldn't really know to to uh, to just to see him that they, hmm. they had some disability but obviously growing up that he had faced a lot of prejudice coming from scotland scotland's a hard place to grow up when you've got any um your any kind of difference from the rest of the school kids um, I think that's true anywhere. Probably true. Yeah, <clears throat> kids are kids are rough kids. Kids are kids. In general. Yeah, yeah, and they grow up, and most of them learn. I take it uh, you'll be going back next year. Um, yes, I think it's a <laughs> safe bet. The the, uh, the difficult thing is that it's so close to Dub Dub, but there's just something about going to Ireland. And uh, meeting up with friends that I've made over the years. I mean, I met Dermot at Dub Dub back in 2009. And that's where friendship kicked off and kept in touch with him ever since. And <clears throat> met so many other people um, at other conferences as well. And, and again at Ull when I went two years ago. Um, but there's just something something special about going, going to Ireland and... Uh, being in a hotel or uh yeah being in a hotel with all these other people and um one of the i wouldn't say a problem 
but one of the the things with um, the Ool in two thousand and thirteen when I went it was it was based it was based in Dublin city itself, so there was a a large attendee uh, a l- large attendance from Irish developers people who lived in and around Dublin. So when the conference was over, most of those people just went home. Mm-hmm. You know, they go back to wherever they live, back with their families, have dinner. Uh, meanwhile, the people who were staying in the city centre uh, in the hotels, they would get together and there'd be conversations and there'd be gatherings going on that then the the people who lived in and around Dublin maybe weren't party to, so they they felt like they kind of missed out on that. So I think that was why uh, Dermot and Paul and Sasha decided that they would take the conference kind of on the road. First with Kilkenny uh, last year and then Killarney this year. And it um, that, had, that had two effects. One, it meant that everybody was together, either in the Lyrath Hotel or the Lyrath Estate in Kilkenny or the Europe Hotel in Killarney. Um, but it also meant that the, the the Irish attendees or the would-be Irish attendees they ended up not going because for them um, having uh, the cost of the ticket and then the, the cost of staying in the hotel was in euros fairly uh, fairly equal to a trip to San Francisco for WWDC oh so they lost a lot of Irish attendees this year, unfortunately. That's a shame. Yeah. I I do find that the conferences that I've been to where I did not stay at the conference hotel, I felt like I missed out on a portion of the conference. <clears throat> we didn't stay at the conference hotel this year. We stayed in Killarney itself, um, which was it's only about a 10-minute car ride away. But, um, th- yeah, there's... There's nothing quite like being at the hotel or being where everybody else is, and yeah. just uh, happening happening across random conversations and yeah. talking to it's people. It's possible. At the bar. Yeah. Yeah, it it's is possible, but you gotta work a little harder at it. Yeah, because you're always kind of mindful of the time and thinking, oh, should I get away now, or oh, should I stay on a bit longer? I think on the train to catch or yeah, whatever. The second night, we eventually, <laughs> we actually, uh, we got back to our hotel, and the birds were chirping because they were just waking up. It was about five and <laughs> five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that was a long night, but it was a good night. Mm-hmm. So many good conversations, so many, so many laughs. Talking think, to so many new people, it was amazing. The trend now is so many of these conferences are putting the sessions online and making them available to everyone. But, you know, the sessions are really just to get you in the door. You really go there for that, those relationships and, you know, meeting with your peers and sharing ideas. You know, that's, that's the real value of the ticket. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And that's, um, Ool is a lot like that. There have been other conferences like Ool. Um, I think, Guy English or Scott Morrison, uh, or maybe I think it was one of the two of them, said that uh, if Singleton, because they they organise Singleton in Montreal, if Singleton had a sister conference, it would be Ul. Um, and Singleton had shared a lot of the same kind of themes 
um, the same kind of roots as well. Uh, getting people of the community together, getting them to talk about things and not just uh, weigh them down with technical things. You go to WWDC and you're standing in front of a fire hose for a week and you come away from it and you need a vacation because you're absolutely exhausted from everything that you learned and you didn't Definitely. get much sleep because you were out late at night. <laughs> or you're adjusting to the or time you're adjusting zone to the time zone, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But something like Ul, where they even had, on the first day they didn't actually start until two o'clock. They had a, they built long stretches of time where people could just relax, um, walk around the the hotel, take in uh, take in the sights, go for hikes. And they even had a 5k run on Tuesday morning. So, yeah, they they think deeply about the, the attendee experience. It's not just about getting people in. Uh, it's about making the most out of the experience and making the most out of the connections that you can make at something like this. Yeah, and I think there's an advantage to that smaller size as well. You know, when you go to DubDub with 5,000 people, you know, the odds of you running into the same person multiple times is, is not that high unless you go out of your way to do it. And you're qu- constantly rushing to get in line for the next thing. Uh, so there's really not no big break to just sit down and, and get to know people outside of standing in line with them. It's very true. Yeah, unless you skip a session and hang out somewhere. Yeah. Well, not a conference, you know, going to the big nerd ranch where you're having breakfast, lunch, and dinner with the same 20 people for five days. You know, you get to know that you build stronger connections with those 20 people than you do with the 5,000 people at DubDub. So, you know, that smaller format, it can be nice if, if that's your aim. I've found that at DubDub especially... Because there are so many people there, it's it's overwhelming to to reach out and meet new people. So what you end up doing is sticking with the same group every day, and you don't actually you don't find yourself ex- expanding your social circle very very much at WWDC. Maybe maybe I'm the exception. Maybe that's not true for everybody, but um, it's just it's uh, it's a dauntingly large conference to try and get to know people at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of the problem too is that the betas change so much that half the material is out of date when come fall. Or you don't get to use what you learned for a year <laughs> between waiting for it to go gold and waiting for enough adoption of that version of the platform to actually warrant using it. Right. You know, it gets stale. Still a great conference, still a lot of value. You know, that's the one time a year you get access to Apple engineers. And there's, it's definitely an experience worth having at least once. Oh, it definitely is. And the labs too, the, you know, being able to schedule lab time with the people who wrote core data you know, can 
Can you schedule ring time with them? <laughs> I'd like to go a few rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I like conferences like Hull because the things that you learn there last longer than just the next beta or next year. They're things that you can take with you for uh, for your daily life and for the rest of your life. Right. So talking more about Dub Dub, what do you guys want to see? What do you want Tim Cook to say? And by the way, we got one more thing. What's that one more thing going to be? I know a lot of my friends are looking forward to an Apple TV SDK so they can start building apps for the the big screen TV in the home. Yeah, that's one of my items. Although I've got a Nexus player and a Fire Stick, and I haven't really tried to build anything for those. I think I'm more excited about that potentially as a user than as a developer, because I'm really not sure what specifically I would do for it. Sure, I could like port my game to it or something. But I think on one hand, it's potentially a new a new channel for building apps, a new gold rush, maybe. For developers, um, I don't know what the numbers are in terms of the number of Apple TVs that are out there. I'm guessing it would be new hardware if there were apps for it. Well, if it could go back as far as the three, I mean, they've dropped the price on that significantly. I think a lot of people would be mad if they had gone out and bought their $79 Apple TV and then couldn't do anything with it uh, this year. What's the other big speculation? Well, I think uh, the native Watchkin SDK. Yeah. Yeah. And they've already said that's coming this year, so it wouldn't be a surprise at all to have it announced and available. Yeah, I, def- I definitely, uh, this week I decided I would make a Watchkin app and definitely run into a bunch of the the limitations, so that that would be nice. And I did pre-order a watch. And my is, ship date is April 24th through the 28th, so it wasn't like a hard date. There was a little bit of a window there, but I got yeah. up at 3 a.m. And, and placed the order. So I was able to to get in there. But I was surprised at 3.30, they'd already sh- were pushed out to June or later, depending probably on the model. Yeah, it didn't yeah I was actually long. kind of surprised. I was expecting that to still be a question mark in terms of is there a market for it. But either... It's either high demand and or decent demand and low yeah. product volume or something. So it'll be interesting to hear the numbers on that and see if if the the wearable computer market is moving into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Now you could eBay that, that yeah. uh, pre-order. I hear they're going for like twice as much. Yeah, I actually, I've got three of them coming and I'm tempted <laughs> to do that with my personal <laughs> one. <laughs> it's supposed to be one per. My ID. wife and my mom both wanted Apple watches. So, yeah. so, you know, that one's pretty obvious, you know, with, Potentially a very full schedule beyond, more so than last year. You know, there's got to be some pretty meaty stuff. You know, do we think UX kit is going to be a reality this year? You know, supposedly that's already baked into the new Xcode and Photos app. That could be a possibility. 
Yeah. Anything to be. grow the Mac development ecosystem, I think, is good. Well, yeah, and maybe with you know now four platforms potentially that Apple wants you to write apps for, it makes sense to have a more of a cross-platform API so that you can write for all of the different platforms. Yes. Well, uh, Google, just kind of what if I'm not mistaken, has also has a beta of their solution to run Android apps on Chrome, Linux, and Mac, maybe Windows as well. And I, I think so far it works reasonably well. They definitely have something that lets you run an Android app on the Chrome OS and inside the Chrome browser. My understanding is they also have Mac support in the works in beta. Or maybe maybe hmm. pre-beta, but Yeah. But it's still an Android interface with the the whole touch yeah. system and, and everything. And I, I don't know if I'm convinced with the Microsoft approach of having it truly universal. You know, I think there's some value in having the app designed for the the platform. Yeah. I mean, 44 by 44 looks really big on a regular screen. But Although we've been getting tools to let to let you do that yeah, more easily it's been for moving in the, years in the direction Apple. of not having to necessarily change your UI dramatically. Having more adaptive UI is, you know, definitely moving in that direction. But, yeah, we got the flat UI, we got the size class stuff, the adaptive UI, like you were saying, Alex. Uh, we get more and more devices and more and more advanced touch devices too, like the yeah. the Force Touch touchpad. Yeah, you know, presumably we'll have Force Touch, and you know we already have gestures on the MacBook Pro, and, and MacBook Air has the Force Touch, or is that the Retina MacBook Pro, thirteen inch? The Mac Pro or the MacBook and the MacBook Pro Retin 13, okay. I think. So, so all the new yeah. stuff has got some aspects a of a touch app. interface, but not quite the same as the Surface Pro. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I definitely yeah. think you know AppKit is similar in many ways to UIKit, and so very different in other ways that there's enough friction between the two to allow an iOS developer to easily transition to a Mac app. That's pretty good stuff. I'm sure we'll see all that and, and more, or at least a lot different things that we never even thought about. Well, gentlemen, we're coming up on our time limit for this episode. Do you want to tell us where we can all find you at on the Internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. Find me at Alex Argo on Twitter. You can find me at Gordon Hughes on Twitter. And you can find me, Sam Corder, on Twitter. And the podcast is at SharedInst on Twitter. And you can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Gordon, I want to thank you for coming out. Well, not really coming out, but joining us on this episode. It's a pleasure having you. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure talking thank you. to you. All right. See you guys for lunch. I'm hungry.